Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I can't believe how this all caved in on me. Ooh. I thought we had this thing sorted out just last week. Ooh. You know my job just laid me off yesterday. Yeah. To be blindsided with all this news today. Yeah. I know I said I would Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday. That's when the idillionaire Patrick Davis plays jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Tomar and the FC's Tomar, friend of the show. I like that. Uh, as a listener That's for right. us. That's right. And uh, it was his birthday this week as well, so happy birthday, Tomar. Happy birthday. Oh, happy B-Day, man. Celebrating. Saturday at Continental Club. I like that. Go celebrate with him. Celebrating a B-Day week with, with Tupac. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Great music minds. We appreciate that. Uh, appreciate Patrick Tone on the 512 Friday. Uh, you can be a part of the show. Spec text line is the best way to do it. 512-337-3776. Uh, I will get you a U.S. Open update uh, coming up in uh, Raj rant of the day. And also, I'll tell you what, in my opinion, is the most interesting thing about the U.S. Open. I'll also do that. Yeah, you're talking some golf and Rod around the day. I can diversify. I like it, and I hope right. that's where I think you're we going. We can diversify so. a little bit. And I think I know where you're going, you going I can't with, wait. You know where I'm going with that? I think I do. All right, well, we'll do I that. I hope I do. Uh, wait. <laughs> and if, it, if I don't talk about what you're talking about, you bring it up. I got you. Make sure we all cover all our bases we around here. Uh, all right, gentlemen, speaking of covering bases, let's get to the Ja Morant suspension, and then we'll get to some other uh, NBA topics that I think are pretty interesting that I want to get to. So we do know now that Ja Morant suspension – is official. Uh, it is a 25-game suspension for Jean Morant. That came down today. Uh, the report from, or at least I should say the statement from Adam Silver and from uh, the NBA. Here's Adam Silver. Jean Morant's decision to once again wield a firearm on social media is alarming and disconcerting given his similar conduct in March for which he has already been suspended. Eight games. The potential for other young people to emulate Ja's conduct is particularly concerning. Under these circumstances, we believe a suspension of 25 games is appropriate and makes clear that engaging in reckless and irresponsible behavior with guns will not be tolerated. Uh, for Ja, basketball needs to take a backseat at this time prior to his return to play. He will be required to formulate and fulfill a program with the league that, that directly addresses the circumstances that led to him, uh, led him to repeat his destructive behavior. Uh, the Jean Morant statement from Adrian Rosnarowski in response, quote, I've had time to reflect and I realize how much hurt I've caused. I want to apologize to the NBA, the Grizzlies, my teammates and the city of Memphis, to Adam Silver, Zach Kleiman and Robert Perra, who gave me the opportunity to be a professional athlete and have supported me. I'm sorry for the harm I've done to the kids who look up to me. 
I'm sorry for failing you as a role model. I promise I'm going to be better to all my sponsors. I'm going to be a better representative of our brands. And to all my fans, I'm going to make it up to you. I promise. That is the end of the, oh, that's not the end of the statement. There's some more stuff too, but that's the gist of it, I should say, of Jean Morant's statement. All right, gentlemen, 25 games for Jean Morant. Um, I, I, I'm not going to get into what, basically that's 30% of the season. It is. I mean, it's 30% it is. of the season. Yeah. And essentially it's tripling his last you know what I mean? You basically kind of tripled his last suspension, which was like eight games. So now you're at 25 games. I know triple with 24, but you get around that around there. So I do think if we get another issue here of any kind, I I think, you know, going kind of to going back to the uh first suspension and now with the second, just keeping with that trajectory and keeping on track there, I do believe he might be suspended for an entire season. I think you might get a, an entire season because you got triple the amount. Well, if you get triple again, it's going to be seventy some games. Well, and, and here's the other part of it: it's more of strike three. That's what I'm saying. The strike three, yeah, you're out. A, thing. Yeah, you would be out. I think the out is going to be you no out for foul entire balls, season. Yep. no extra pitches, nope. none of that, an bro. You put yourself in a pay. bad, yeah. bad situation, and and again, it it's more <laughs> about the responsibility. And you brought this up uh, earlier, Rod. It's like. If you were doing this at a gun range or you were doing all these other things, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It's the fact that you're looking careless about it. You brought it into a club. Now, those charges were dropped. Okay. Well, then you go and meet with the commissioner, and I really understand what I went through, and I'm so sorry about it, and it won't happen again. Well, not much later, it happens again, and now you're putting your team and your or self in a situation that you may not be ready for. You may not be ready if someone really comes a calling on you because they know you have put yourself as a target. Mm. You're a mark, and they're going to test you because not only are you throwing up guns, you're throwing up gang signs that you probably don't even know what the gangs are. And I forgot about the gang signs. Yeah, I forgot about yeah there's more, and it's deeper <laughs> yeah. than just riding around. And I said this earlier, and I'm going to say it again. If you can't change your friends, change your friends. If people are in your camp, mm-hmm. are letting you um, look this way, and as my man used to Not say, don't let your slip be showing. Tell, somebody needs to tell me when my slip is showing. If I'm out somewhere and you and I are together and you're like, Hart, chill out, man. We, you're putting us well, in a bad that, situation. That would be me, though, caring about your well-being and right. caring about what happens to Hart. Right. Like thinking about, no, Hart just got a wife. Hart just got kids. Yes. Hart, there's a, people know Hart as being a good guy who's got a good heart and everything. And even if you, you know, obviously unintentionally we're going to do something, I would say, no, nah, it reminds us of Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. Exactly. Right? They were watching, they were watching the show. <laughs> they were live and streaming. No. Live streaming the finals. And yeah, exactly. Paul Pierce did not realize. And how many times did Kevin Garnett hit him and, yeah, and say to him, bro, we're live. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> We yeah. live. You lit, but we live. Right. We live. He kept telling him, bro, right. we live. Because you You're my partner. Yes. But you live. If y'all are real friends, yeah. you're not going to leave your partner out there like that right. exposed. Right. You're going to let him know, man, I got your back. I'm your looking out for showing. you. And I wonder how many of Ja Morant's friends, and like I said, there are times you outgrow friendships. Yep. And just because Hanger you can't hang out with them every day, like buddy, buddy, BFFs, doesn't mean you can't associate with them and text them and call them every night and go, and go have you know a drink or something like that. But... Obviously, some of these guys around him, not saying all of them, are not looking out for his best Correct. interest. And it may be time for Ja to consider 
the associates, right, that he's hanging out with, the crew that he's hanging out with. I brought the Allen Iverson story, which is a great story. Allen Iverson, spending habits, so ridiculously irresponsible. He was on his way to going broke, buying a new outfit for every uh, NBA city he went to, never packed clothes. Guy was just spending money at an alarming rate. He had two friends that really looked out for him that saw him getting ready to go off this cliff at one point. He's like, dude, this is going on broke and homeless one day, and that's going to be the saddest story in the history of the NBA if we don't step up and do something for our friend who we care about. Yep. And they started. They basically took his shoe deal money and made what they call the Reebok Fund, and they basically took $32 million away from AI without him knowing. By the way, that's AI's fault. He didn't know that they took $32 million. You got you to gotta be able to identify $32 million 32. missing from your bank account. Right. That's how irresponsible his spending habits were, guys. He never saw it. No, he never saw $32 million missing. I will say... This has happened multiple times though in the NBA. Oh the guys no, no, have no. Got, I know Tim and Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett have both have money stolen from yes, them too. Agreed. But that's because you hire financial managers who then steal the money from you. Yes, he didn't hire a financial manager. No. It was just AI burned through money. You are right about that. There are guys yes. who are being swindled and hustled, and that's a damn shame too. Uh, you know, Vy actually had guys around him stealing yeah. money from yep, him too. Yep. But I digress. Uh, but he had guys that were really looking out for him, and they made a Reebok fund. They took thirty-two million dollars from him, and when he got done with the NBA, and he thought he was broke. All right, and he was like, "Man, I got bankruptcy stuff. I, I'm I'm in trouble here, guys." They that's when they revealed to him, "Yeah, we we stole thirty two million dollars from me. We got it in a bank account. You only get a million dollars per year when you turn fifty five, so you can't irresponsibly spend it. Uh, but we got your back. Don't you got it? You good? Yep." And he said he was he was forever grateful. Because they saw his irresponsible, childish behavior <laughs> and said, it won't last. He'll right. grow up one day. When he grows up, he's going to want that cash. He's going to need, <laughs> he's that, gonna need cash. that cash. <laughs> That's right. And that's, I, I would hope that somebody in John Moran's circle is thinking along those lines like, man, this could end up really bad for Jai. How do we have an intervention to stop this? How do we do what's best for our friend? And I don't think any of that conversation is happening with his social circle. Well, the other that's part, disappointing. Well, the other part about it is, too, it may not even be about the money. It's going to be about life and death. Oh, I totally agree. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, Lorenzen Wright was Mr. Memphis. He was a great guy. I watched this special on him just the other night. That's why it's so fresh to me. But it's, it's, I watched it, the Dateline like two months ago. Right, right, yeah. right. It's, yeah. this, it's this opportunity that was missed. Now, it obviously had to do with a woman and all this other stuff. But people don't care because they see your life and you acting like that's their only way of life. Yes, you have options. You're, you you you, yeah. you have an out. You're a fake tough guy. Yes, these John, are real tough guys. These are real gangsters. Yeah, you you want to be a gangster. Yes, and we can't figure out why. But in his mind, obviously, that gang being a gangster, being perceived as a thug, he thinks that's cool. So he wants to be cool. And I would caution him with. I'm sorry we brought up Pac like four times today, but it seems appropriate. And it's his birthday. Before Tupac <laughs> started rapping, I tell the story all the time, before he started rapping, because I love me some Tupac, my favorite all-time rapper, he never got arrested, never had any issues with police before he actually started rapping. As, as Harsh mentioned, he was a theater and arts guy. Yes. <laughs> he tried to become yes. an actor uh, and, a, and a writer. And he started rapping, and he started rapping about, first of all, a lot of the stuff that he was seeing, stories that he was being told um, about the life. And he started rapping about thug life. Got it tattooed, right? Thug life, tatted on my chest. Yeah, and by the way, he started being followed by real thugs. Yeah. Like real, legitimate thugs, gangsters, guys who lived that life and that was all they lived. And by the way, he started having guys who, on the other side, wanted to test his 
thug life mm-hmm. and and his commitment to the thug life. So once he started like speaking this into existence, he was getting tested by the the gangsters and thugs on the other side. And he paranoid was, the entire time. Yes, and only being supported by the thugs and the gangsters that believed his rhetoric and stuff that he was saying. And then he found himself in the midst of death row with Suge Knight, who was a real gangster, with other gangsters, right? Mm-hmm. And then a target on his back with other gangsters going after him. Yep. And this is a guy, before he started rapping, never knew anything about the thug life and wanted nothing to do with it. But he spoke it into existence. Yep. And so I'm not saying that Pac was a fake gangster and a fake tough guy. He was able to kind of live these different lives and that ability for him to kind of diversify his character allowed him to tell these stories that we still relate to this day. So it's a genius um, you know, trait to be able to have. But keep in mind, that's the warning, though, of Tupac's life. Yeah. Was that Tupac found himself in way too deep and to the point where it overwhelmed him. Yep. He drowned in it. That's one of the greatest talents in in the history of of hip hop. Gone. Way too soon. Mm -hmm. And it took others with him. Took Biggie out with him too. It was it it became bigger than both of them. So my point is, John Morant also has influence. He's got people following him. And I know right now it just seems like these are, you know, kind of minor incidents, and I guess they're not minor anymore. And he's not hurting anybody. It's not a legal consequence to this right now. Um, But just be careful. Yeah. Because just be careful, very careful about the perception that you want to project because people might just believe it. And they're going to try you. Ask Pac. They start believing it. And And they're going to try you. And they want to try you. And then turns out Pac was so convincing we all believed it. He wasn't actually a gangster. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a gangster. He wasn't a thug. He just it was the best it was the best character for him to play so that he could be accepted by all sides and respected on all sides, in his opinion. Right. If he, if he had to do over it again today, he probably would tell you, nah, I'll take a different route. Because I like I prefer life. <laughs> right. I prefer to live. So just just be careful. Yeah, because that's John. what John, John's putting himself in a in a group of people that I've I've watched so many different interviews of true gangsters that have all talked about this Ja situation and because they've been asked. They're like, what would you tell Ja? Tell him to come and holla at me. And you know, when they say holla at me, they ain't talking about just to have a sit down. Mm-mm. They're like, if you really want to be in this life, we can put you in it and see how you survive in this. Man, stay on that basketball court and keep doing what you're doing. If you want to do something, do something good for your community. Be a gangster on the court. Yes. The court, the, oh, the court gangster. Yes. That, that is awesome. Everybody would love that. You play like that anyway. Exactly. You play like a, a reckless, gangster on the court. Reckless abandon <laughs> out there. Yes. To be that guy. That's yeah. really cool. That's way cooler than this yeah. image you want to project out there. So, um, yeah, if I was him, if I was Ja, if I was on Ja's team, I'm talking about like his publicist and his public relations person. They need to focus on changing the narrative and reinventing his brand. And right now he is known as a childish, mm-hmm. irresponsible clown. And they need to change all of that. And the best way to start doing it is he got this reputation because he was handling a firearm like a toy. And we live in Texas and people love their guns in Texas. God bless them all. And they have the right to. But most of the gun owners that I know and gun enthusiasts and my family are full of gun enthusiasts. um, They are very responsible about how they handle firearms, um, especially in public. All right. And like I said, there there are people around this country that are politicians who have campaign ads with guns. but They're usually shooting at a target and they're usually handling it in a much more responsible fashion. He used to be on a gun range with Malika Andrews. 
Yeah. Right? And she used to be on that gun range with him. And he used to be take and we need to see him go through all the stages of of responsible gun ownership. Yep. How to, you know, put load, how to load it, clean how to disassemble it, it clean it, yep. all that kind of yep. stuff. And then everybody will say, Oh, you know, he's a, he used to be a, a member of NRA. I don't know if he is, but he used to be one anyway. Just for the <laughs> hell of it. Now some of y'all think that's a political thing. To hell with the political aspect of it. We're just talking about the perception of him being a responsible American gun owner and not a childish immature clown which is what he is now so yep. the first step go on 60 minutes or go on some Malika Andrews and you need to be on a gun range shooting on a gun range showing people yep. that you know how to handle a firearm and tell them you know what my enthusiasm for firearms like a lot of Americans can they'll be able to relate to this say you know what it just got a little it got it got a little out of hand I was a little too excited about my firearms and guns. I love them that much. And Americans mm-hmm. go, you're damn right. I love guns just like Jamar Morant loves guns. I, I love John Morant. You have a whole new fan base yep. just because how much you love guns. All right? yep. But you love them in a responsible manner. Yep. You right? have to be responsible. Not a reckless one. Yep. Come I on. agree. I agree. And this dude, I mean, your, his shoes sold out. The Ja, the ja One, whatever it is, sold out in 20 minutes. That's how popular this guy is. And guy, I can guarantee you, adults are not buying them damn shoes. I don't know one adult right. that would buy Ja One shoes. They're kids. They're the kids that Harge has in his house. They're mm-hmm. the kids that are my cousins and nephews. Those are the ones that like Ja Morant, and they think he's cool. And if they think he's cool, they're going to think that uh, you know, operating a brandishing a firearm in that reckless manner is also cool. So Ja, you know, it's it's time. It's yep. time, brother. It's yep. time. I read the the bit the, the the scripture uh in the three o'clock hour, and I don't read scripture on this show a lot, so don't be accusing me of getting <laughs> too religious on the show. But it's apropos. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Amen. Ja, it's time to put away childish things, yep. brother. Yep. Put them away. Yep. What the hell, man? Yeah. Hire a bodyguard. Life, life is too precious. Exactly. To be playing around. If you're worried about actual no. a threat to your life, I get that. I get that. That that is a hard target. You got a target on you. I yep. get that. Yep. I was in the NFL. The worst story I ever heard about the NFL, and I why I understand why guys carry guns. Um, I won't even say the player's name. He was walking in New York City. He had come out of a club. Dude walks up to him and has basically a Gatorade bottle full of gasoline. Throws it on him. And then has a Zippo and lights the Zippo in front of him and says, I just need everything. I need the, the chain. I need the yep. wallet. I need mm-hmm. it all. You, all. you can deal with the consequences right here. Yep. So I get it. Right? Yep. Those guys have targets on them. And John has got to be targeted. You, have a, you make enough money, you can hire security. Security will always be with you. You bro. can hire security. Yep. They can carry guns. Hey, yep. They can be packed and they can be big and swole. You can tell them anybody that comes to me that <laughs> or they I can be little guys that just you unassuming. Whatever. Yep. Hire security. Or yep. or you can just hang out with Steven Adams who's on your team and legitimately <laughs> he's one of the scariest men. <laughs> exactly. Yes. There was a story about him that they were telling the other day about when they needed they didn't have a timeout and they needed one, so he started scratching his face so he could draw blood on his face so they would have to go <laughs> stop break a play what? to get a timeout. And they were like, What are you doing? He's like, Oh we don't we don't have a timeout, mate. Uh, I got bleed so we have a timeout. Yeah. Yeah. That have that, that hang guy. out with that dude. Yeah. Oh, that is a wild story. He was Apparently there's more stories like that. Scratch his face until until it bled. Yeah, to so get that, a timeout. Because there's a blood rule. In NBA, yeah, the so they will rule. stop the clock. It's a Magic Johnson rule, So they'll right? stop the clock and yeah. you can go over, and while he's getting, they can get a timeout. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll pay that guy a little extra. Give yeah. him a little chunk. That's, <laughs> hey, that's, that's the center on the Grizzlies. Keep, <laughs> just hang out with him. It'll and be you good. Know, that's another thing, too, guys. The Grizzlies, you know, attitude reflects leadership. Yep. They are, they're a little clownish, too. 
Oh, they the whole immature team. That's why they're moving on from Dylan Brooks. That's why they got rid of Dylan yes. Brooks. And it's, it, it points because of Ja, though. Yeah, because he was he's part of childish it. And, and immature. That's why your team's a little childish and immature. But it's like Desmond Bain's not really that guy. And, yeah, and yeah exactly. So I, I think that once you get rid of Dylan Brooks and it's just going to be Ja Moran, a bunch of guys like, hey, man, let's, let's go play basketball. Yeah, and you know what? I would love to get a veteran pre- – who's the most veteran presence on the Memphis Grizzlies? Steven Adams, probably. They need to go get uh, – That's what I'm saying. It's not they need to like go a, get Jeff Green. They, they, they need one of them. Yeah, they you know, need Jeff Green. Just an old, just he, an old just head. Won, he just won vet, a championship. Just an old yeah. – head. yeah, exactly. Just a vet that I, – well, honestly, I think I need somebody that Ja kind of respects, though. I need somebody that Ja – that can tell Ja exactly – what what it is like the real deal? I prefer right, to go no the punches. other way. I prefer to go the other way. I need somebody that will slap him and not care. What? But then, but then so Jock, you're talking about like Derrick Rose? That's yeah. Now Derrick Rose because, would yeah, be good. Yeah, if, if that's Jock, a great one because he's had that. He's had that story. If Jod doesn't respect him, then Jod just get him kicked mm-hmm. off the team or get him traded or cut or something. Yeah, they, you know what I mean? No, that's why they're bringing him in though. Huh? That's Steven. why they would bring him in. He ain't gonna get him kicked off because they brought him in well, for that reason. Well, my point is, if he is always, <laughs> if he is constantly at odds with Ja, it's not gonna work. You gotta be, still gotta be somebody that can work with Ja. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you though. I want that tough mentality, but it's gotta be somebody that can tell him how it is and still, all right, Ja. Now let's me and you go kick it a little bit. Let me, you know what I mean. I want Ja to respect the counsel that he's getting from whoever this person is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen Adams is the oldest guy on the team at 29. I like the Derrick Rose, but thing. no, no thirty-year-olds on that <laughs> team. So. Yeah, I mean, I talked about CP3. I know it's not going to work, but he just needs somebody. He just needs somebody. Somebody said uh, Josh shoes sold out because of the resale value. Uh, <laughs> resellers bought them out for resale. I'm pretty sure no kids were able to purchase. Uh, but you get my point. Like, I, I don't think adults, like older adults, are you know buying the Josh shoes. But either way, they sold out. Uh, and he is considered to be one of the faces of the. NBA, um, and they need them. Uh, there, we talked about this probably months ago when we were discussing the MVP trophy. Um, you know, there are not a lot of American-born MVP candidates right now in the NBA, um, and he's one of the fewest, probably the top guy to be an American-born MVP. Um, and right now, it seems like a lot of the guys from overseas, uh, a lot of guys, you know, coming uh, in the NBA now. And Wimbyama is going to be another one, by the way. Uh, they seem to be asserting their presence. Uh, in the NBA, which is a great thing, makes it an international sport, international league. Um, but he was one of the kind of the American-born players that could have taken over uh, the face of the league or the MVP mantle, and that's not going to happen for a while now. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for him. Uh, okay, I wanted to get into some other NBA uh, topics, so we'll table those. So if we can get to those uh, a little bit, uh, some of those in Raj round of the day uh, that we didn't get a chance to get into here. So some of that Nuggets trash talk, we'll table that for Raj round of the day. I want to talk about MJ selling the team. We'll get into that coming up in next segment. And yes, I will give you a U.S. Open update. Uh, and I'll also, also tell you why and what? what is so interesting about the U.S. Open. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on Wonderful Nine One. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Yes. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! My god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. Alright, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day, or... Rod's Rant of the Day on Ball Don't Lie. Uh, we'll get you a U.S. Open leaderboard update here in uh, just a second. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the course that the uh, U.S. Open is playing on. Um, so it is the L.A. Country Club, the Los Angeles Country Club. And I heard E. Hogan talking about this a little bit uh, earlier this week, and I want to do some deep diving into how exclusive this country club is. It's crazy. How exclusive the Los Angeles Country Club is. Now, Hart, you're a golfer, so you golf a lot. I do. So you probably can appreciate this more than I can. Um, but there are a lot of weird little uh, <laughs> facts that make this uh, L.A. Country Club so unique and exclusive. And so inclu- exclusive, in fact, that they won't let celebrities in. None. Celebrities are not allowed to join. Zero. And basically their policy is celebrities. They don't follow the rules. Celebrities make their own damn rules. Celebrities yep. like, no, no, no. I, I can use my phone. This Jabroni can't use their phone, but I'm a celebrity. I'm special. I'm important. My rules, not your rules. And so basically, they, no celebrities at all. Uh, $250,000 initiation fees. Say it again. Yeah, quarter of a million dollar initiation fees. You got to have a lot of money. A lot of and, money. And they don't even want your celebrity money. No. They don't want to, they, they're, they're in They Be- know you temporary. They're in the heart of Beverly Hills and don't want celebrity money. <laughs> they want old money, but they don't want celebrity money. Uh, they also uh, have no social media posts at all. That's why you don't see a lot of Zero. posts about them. They don't trend. They don't go viral. There are no social media posts, period, Yep. In, in the club, within the club. Think about that these days. That's, that's, that's hard to do. How do you even, I don't even know how you can enforce that kind of stuff. They ain't marketing to you. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's 320 acres in the heart of L.A., yep. of Los Angeles, like 320 acres. Acres. Um, here are the rules. Some of the rules. No shorts. Tailored pants only. So you come in some pants that ain't tailored. Get up out of here, man. You're looking too sloppy. Sports coats in the clubhouse at the six. That's usually, that kind of goes with most uh, country clubs. No changing shoes in the parking lot. You must wear your nice shoes. We don't want, you look too trashy changing our parking lot. Wear your shoes. If or... You, Change in the locker room. Oh, you change the locker room. There yep, you go. Yep. But no change. Don't be no more trashy stuff like that. Because I'll just pull up in the parking lot yeah. and sw- start changing yeah. right there. Yeah, well, yeah. You say wear your stuff. Oh, yeah. You go in the locker room and you can change. No headphones, no earbuds, or athletic clothes. So none of your athleisure. Yeah, I like don't that. wear your athleisure there. No, they want you to look good. Uh, no photos or videos of the club on social media at all. Don't want nobody knowing. It's like you would think that that policy needs to change these days, but they don't care. Nope. They don't need to. They, they, they basically feel like they don't need to market and promote the brand or the club because they don't want your money. They don't mm-hmm. want your regular money. Your money too rigid for them. They want exceptional elite. All right. Wealth. And most of most of y'all listening and most of us ain't it. Elon, if you're listening, you can do it. They won't shoot. Don't post though. Nah, put it on Twitter. He, bro, he hosted SNL. He's a celebrity. And you're right. Technically, he's he a celebrity. You're right. Technically, you're right. They say, Elon, get the hell out of here, man. You're a celebrity. And that's what they, where, where do they draw the line? Because all, like a lot of wealthy people now become celebrities whether they want to or not. Right. Like, yeah. Via but, social media. And stuff. But, so, but, like if you don't, if you do not appear on TV, 
if you did not like there's plenty of CEOs and stuff who don't No, I agree. But like but people come Uber what like billionaires? Billionaires are all but they don't celebrities. Want, they don't well, not all billionaires. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them there, are. There's a lot of billionaires who just control politics they're, they're not from behind the they're, scenes. They're not celebrities to you, but I guess you the tech nerds. Tech nerds know all the tech billionaires. Oh no, no, you know what I'm saying? Saying, you, you're a celebrity depending on what fandom wants to follow you and call you a celebrity. Nobody thinks Rob B is a celebrity that don't follow Texas Longhorn football. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all about what your definition of celebrity is. That's why I, was, I wonder where they draw the line. Yeah. Just old money. So money. Like if your grandpa, if your grandpa wasn't a billionaire, you're not allowed in. <laughs> right? They, no, they love old money. They do. Um, okay, so the members can also only uh, only make phone calls from their parked car or a phone booth in the locker room. <laughs> That's the not, rule. Not even in the locker room. From a phone booth. In the There's locker a special room. phone booth in the locker room. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for like this, uh, for instance, and the club is so exclusive that many of the world's best players who are playing at the U.S. Open, they're seeing it for the very first time in their lives because yep. they haven't played on it. It's exclusive. And because, you know, they don't post about it on social media. You don't see television shows about it, that kind of stuff. Uh, how about this? Rory McIlroy, for instance, hasn't, hasn't paid for a round of golf in 20 years, but he had never played the Los Angeles Country Club before this week's U.S. Open. So he says he prepared by watching videos of, of the course on YouTube through special <laughs> documentaries about it. Uh, and and the cra- another crazy part is every member gets a thousand plus page rule book. Thousand. Thousand plus pages. Yeah. I don't even know if there's that many rule books in the rules of golf. Like I don't yeah, how big is the print on exactly. these things? Like if it's small print with a thousand pages, you're not gonna read that whole thing. It's like reading no. the, 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 the the service terms, right? That that the, the service agreement that you have with your phone or for Netflix. You don't read that crap. Yep. You just check the box you, and keep it moving. You give it to the lawyers. Uh, you, yeah, if you you're right, if you're that if you can afford to get in this club, you definitely have lawyers on retainer. Yeah. Yep. Yes, true. You just hand it to them. Uh, okay, how about this? Uh, so we talked about it being smack dab in the middle of Beverly Hills. Uh, and yet Nate brings this point, too. It is so exclusive, in fact, they don't like celebrities, which means a guy like Hugh Hefner, who owned a house that, you know, was on the golf right course. Right around the corner. Yeah, it was actually on, the, but he could not be a member of the actual club. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he could not be a member of the club. That's how exclusive they are. Uh, okay, so it's right smack dab in the middle of, of Beverly Hills between like Sunset Boulevard, Wilshire, and Santa Monica Boulevard. I'm sure you've heard about these streets. Uh, the land alone. Go watch Beverly Hills Cop. There you go. The land alone is worth $8 billion. Yeah, that's very Just impressive. the land by itself. Nothing on it. Bare bones land was worth 8 Billion dollars is the second most valuable piece of real estate not developed for housing behind Central Park in New York City. Let that let that sink in. It is the second most valuable piece of real estate in America that is not developed for housing behind Central Park. Yes, wow. In New York City, yeah, crazy dude, crazy. And how about this? Because the rich get richer, and the key to being rich is not to evade taxes. You have to avoid them. That's what I say. You find the loophole. Evasion is illegal. Remember that. Avoidance is perfectly legal. All right? Uh, and they avoid taxes like nobody's business. And I'm sure they had some really wealthy people do this. So how about this? The $8 billion land assessment of value for them typically would mean they pay, what, hundred, like hundreds of million dollars in property taxes, right? Of course they would. But they pay $220,000 annually in property taxes. Mm, mm, for an eight billion dollar piece of land how the los angeles country club is owned by its members and registered as a nonprofit. so they benefited when california voters passed a ballot in 1960 1960 guys 
that lowered the value at which officials were allowed to assess nonprofit golf courses. This nonprofit rule also applies to other L.A.-based golf clubs like Bel Air Country Club, Brentwood Country Club, and Wilshire Country Club. In 1978, voters passed Proposition 13. This new law rode back the assessed land value to the 1975 level and more or less froze it in time at the 1975 value. Crazy. So even if the market value of the land tripled in value, the property's assessed value can only grow by 2% a year or the rate of inflation, whichever is lower. Essentially, the Proposition 13 capped property taxes at 1% of assessed value. And so in simple terms, the L.A. Country Club would be paying $80 million, 1%, in annual property taxes because its land is worth $8 billion plus. But because of these new, these, those two laws I just mentioned, uh, more than 45 years ago, L.A. Country Club's land is currently assessed at just $22 million, even though it's worth $8 billion. And they pay just $220,000 in property taxes. Damn, that's good. Man, that's I nice. got to find me somebody like that. Yeah, you just got to. Well, Wait, it, it, whoa, helps. Whoa, whoa, whoa. it helps when you have the that's money. Friends, friends. Huh? Well, the friends, whatever. I don't talk <laughs> anybody like that. It, it helps to have enough money to control the, the government. Yes, that, that also is that true. It helps. That does. Just throwing it out there. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so anyway, now I'm going to give you more boring tax stuff. That's exactly what I was glad to hear you talk about because I was like, I hope he goes here. It's amazing. They are. They are. Yeah. I I don't even know how that's legal, but it is. It is. Find the loopholes, y'all. Find the loopholes. Definitely legal. Uh, Okay. Real quick update on the U.S. Open Uh, right now. Ricky Fowler uh, is at ten under. Um, Yes, actually, yeah. He's and he is uh, in the lead, tied for second. You had nine under. Wyndham Clark and Xander Shoffley. Rory McIlroy is at eight under. Rory's doing well. Uh, that's pretty good. Roy's doing well. Yeah, Roy's doing really well. Harris English is fifth at seven under. Dustin Johnson, along with uh, Min Woo Lee, is at six under. Uh, Cameron Smith at four under, along along with Bryson DeChambeau. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, he tied with uh, Si Woo Kim uh, at four under. Oh, I forgot about Sam Bennett also thrown in there. He's at five under, so he's tied for eight. So that's basically your top ten right there yep. of the U.S. Open. Love it. Also, other big news, speaking of straight cash, homie. Uh, the GOAT, Michael Jordan, gentlemen, uh, the rich do get richer, in fact. <laughs> uh, and Michael Jordan, it's finalized uh, the sale of the Hornets. Remember, he initially bought the Hornets in 2010. Uh, it says here $275 million for majority stake in the uh, Hornets franchise in 2010. That's what he paid. Now, uh, where at least he has sold his stake in, or at least the most of his stake. I think he's going to keep probably a minority stake. He's agreed to sell his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets to a group led by Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall uh, for an approximately $3 billion valuation, according to league sources. Uh, the transaction ends Jordan's 13-year run as majority owner. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, was he a good owner, guys? Uh, Can we let, let's go? Let's go give him a let's, from let's grade, records. Let's grade, wise, let's grade no. him like a teacher no. would grade a child. Give me an A, B, C, D, or fail the goat. He, he, he got an A in getting a team back in Charlotte. Okay, everything else was an F. F. F? Everything else. <laughs> everything else. Uh, okay, they, they, they were not, punches. I mean, name that name the great no. draft pick they had. No, I agree with you. Na- fact, name that name that that big run they had. Name that that player they developed. Nothing. I got nothing like, for you. That's I got what I'm nothing. saying. Like, I got nothing. And if you're saying any of those Hornets, 
you're saying it about LJ and Alonzo Mourning and when he did not own this team, when he was in the league. Yeah, he basically, because he almost, and he, he, at first, and I think he backed off because he became almost a caricature. And people were like mocking him. Mm-hmm. Remember he first, how involved he was when he first bought him? He was basically yeah. using that as his personal fantasy team. Remember, he practiced one time with the team. Like against the team as yeah, one of the players, he was mad at him. He was like upset with him, and then like they they were like had Malik, injuries. Malik Monk was one of the guys that he was playing against. Yeah, and he was yeah. playing with his whole team. Uh, also, Malik Monk. There was a time he slapped Malik Monk in the yeah. back of the head. Yeah, like in front of everybody. It's like MJ. That's not your teammate, man. You're the owner. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> those things you governor. can't do. You yeah. can't do that, MJ. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, zero finals appearances, zero conference finals appearances, zero semifinals appearances, zero first round series wins. He drafted Kimba Walker, and that's that's it. And yep. that's all she and, wrote. And Kimba Walker is one of those guys. Like he was really good, but we never really know how good he was because he was one of those guys that just played on a bad team. So mm-hmm. his stats are super elevated. Yep. Because he was the only one shooting for most of it. And as soon as he went to another team, his career ended. You're right. Now it was later in his career, but as soon as he left Charlotte, it was over. Seems that way. I can't think of Kimba after that. No, because he went to like two <laughs> or three teams, and everyone was like, "Well, we need a three point shooter." Like, we well, can't even really shoot. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I don't because he's a creator. I, he likes to create. No, and I, shots. I, I get it. I'm not. I don't want to disparage him that much because he was a really good player. But it is you just get guys to get elevated stats because you play on a team where you're taking, you know, a, another third of the shots. You're like, all right, I should be taking a quarter of the shots in this because I'm the MVP. Uh, like I'm, an, I'm a, a top level player. I'm gonna take another third of the team's shots because no one, I don't think anybody else is better than me. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right about that. And I always thought, you know, it's it's tough for players in in any sport who are elite. I'm talking about elite, and they're elite because of their physical traits and physical gifts that they've been blessed with. I do think it's tough for those guys to transition to front office and coaching, mm-hmm. uh, and it can be done. I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, it's tougher because. You know, part of your your job as a coach is to get the most out of a player and to do more with less. Um, I find that coaches who weren't physical freaks and didn't become elite in their craft, uh, they often are better coaches, are better administrators, and better front office minds because they don't have unrealistic expectations for their players. They're very realistic in what players can do and how they can contribute. MJ is not. MJ's like, you give me everything you got. All right. Or basically you're banished. Like, I, you know, what I mean, I will excommunicate you from this team. That's how he operated. Remember, we talked about it on the last mm-hmm. dance. Like I he demands the best out of his teammates. And I think it brought the best in him. That's a different situation, a different relationship than you as an owner trying to exert that same type of will and influence on your coaches and on your players. And MJ probably was harder on coaches and players than anybody else because, of course, he demanded greatness because he always got it on yeah. the court. And that's the problem is when you're like, I you you're not playing your best. You're like, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. this is what you drafted. <laughs> this is the best that it gets. Yeah, it just like, because I I'm not better, that's on you for your scouting department. That's a great point. It is like, you know who MJ's really proud of? His son. I was still say, dating yeah. Larsa Pippen. It's making things really, really cool. Still proud the of house. that young man. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll get into some more NBA. Uh why does Michael Malone and the Denver Nuggets keep trash talking this particular team? And should Wimby go to Summer League? All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful Nine Horn. Together, time apart, time I thought it'd be good to be. My 
Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn, 512 Friday. That's when Patrick, the ideal, you know, plays jams from local bands and artists, very talented human beings, who you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Tear Jerk, and they're playing Saturday at Swan Dive. Oh, I like that. Tear Jerk. Um, okay, let's get real quick to this Michael Malone sound. The Denver Nuggets uh, busy celebrating their championship yesterday at their parade. Um, and Michael Malone's been making the rounds. He went on, uh, he re- recently uh, was making around. We're on the Pat McAfee show. I saw, we, we played the sound, or maybe we did play the sound of him after the game, after they won the championship, of him essentially calling his team a bunch of greedy bastards that are going to try to win more titles. Uh, he's been he's been taking some well he's been he's been talking like a confident man okay so I'm gonna say arrogant confident man and as the texter reminded us he is from Queens New York y'all might forget that all right he's from the boroughs man so he's got he's got a little uh, he's got some swag to him well he was on with Pat McAfee and he took a shot at King James one of the things that I think everyone was kind of you know drawn to the Nuggets was. When you were talking after the Lakers games in your press conferences, and obviously, you know, people didn't really want to talk about you guys. People didn't really want to talk about what Jokic was doing. And Pat mentioned earlier, you know, the prime time really wasn't built up for the Nuggets. And even after you swept the Lakers, there was different conversations, and that's neither here nor there. But they weren't talking about the Nuggets sweeping, you know, LeBron and the Lakers. Do you think now that you guys have, you know, put Denver on the map with the championship, you know, being that first team since 1979 to win outside of Texas? Texas in California. Do you think now people will, you know, not only respect the Nuggets, but will look at the Denver Nuggets? As hey, I'm that doing team? it. Yeah, like the team in the West now. Hell yeah. Well, a really good question. And speaking of the Lakers, I just want you guys to know this is breaking news. I'm thinking about retiring. So don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. You love yes. that, Coach. You love yes. that. Yes. Coach, let's take the you conversation away from the championship. <laughs> let's talk about the coach retiring. Yes. Hey, you hated uh, it, huh? Okay, good, good. I'm yeah, happy to hear that. Good. Oh, oh, you're right, right, only, only kidding. Only kidding. <laughs> yeah, of course, on Hey, I don't want the Cronky family hearing that, trying to find a new coach. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> hey, having what? I'm having fun with my new friends over here. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah hell yeah. Uh, We're lucky for that. Uh, there you go. So if you didn't catch it, that's a shot at King James, who, after being swept by the Denver Nuggets, tried to distract us away from talking about the series by saying, I might just retire, y'all. And I believe we did appropriately mock King James for saying he would retire. You're going to retire after getting swept? You'll never be in a conversation with Michael Jordan ever again, which is why he's not going to retire. But I'm glad Michael – okay, is it, is it possible? Because we have some – we have this Vic Lombardi sound yes. too. Here's Vic Lombardi. He's kind of a D- Denver sports correspondent more than anything. Um, but he's introducing Michael Malone at the parade. And here's the way he introduces Coach Malone. He came into this world – A lot of trash talk toward the Lakers, gentlemen. Wise or unwise of these Denver Nuggets? I'm going to say wise because the Lakers are old. What they going to do? <laughs> I mean, they can't just – this ain't a young LeBron that can go out there. I mean, my man on load management. 
So, yeah, talk it now because he's on his last leg. This is the time to do it. That's fair. Look, That's a good point. I'm not a Lakers fan. I hate the Lakers, but come on, man. You can't punch up. You made it to one finals. You won one finals, and you're like, you guys, we own you. You're like, <laughs> They've owned you the entire length of your franchise. They have been a better franchise than you. And one time you win, you're like, we're the best. You can't do that. That's what the I Aggies get, are going to do. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is they, are, they are definitely trying to start a rivalry yes. where there is not one. Good point. I get it. What they're trying to do is be like, yeah, Denver versus the Lakers. You're like, the problem is the Lakers probably aren't going to be there as much. You've got to find another team that's going to be your rival. But I know you want it to be the Lakers because then you get on TV more. Yeah, you go. But I'll tell you what, Lakers will have more primetime, more uh, national television games than you next year. And uh, I can write that down already, and that's you with you winning the NBA championship. They want that Christmas matchup with the Lakers, don't they? Yeah, they ain't getting it. They ain't getting it. Who'd no, because they want the Lakers to win on Christmas. <laughs> like, yes, good point, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. no, but you know what? Smart on them. Starting, uh, they want to start a rivalry with the Lakers, and I'm with you. It won't catch on. But good for them. This is the time to do it. This is oh, the yeah. person and you're the, supposed to be going the, after. And they're the best brand to pick on, and you're right, Hart. Yeah. This is the right time to pick on them, too, because yeah. you can beat up on them a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Right. This and is the old one. You got until the draft to enjoy this, and as soon as the draft happens, we're, happens, we're in the new year, and you guys got to calm it down a little. Uh, we'll see, because Michael Malone seems hot. No, no, I get it, but it's going to sound Michael dumber Malone and dumber is. the further you get away. He yes. He ain't, short, he ain't it shutting will. it down. He believes th- in his team. He's got the best player in the NBA. He's got Jamal Murray that's coming up. Yes, he's going to lose some other guys, but he just talked about Bruce. Brucey ain't going nowhere. We running it back. I do. I th- Michael Porter Jr. too. Yeah. They're going to be better next year. Everybody's going to go through a little swoon. But, yeah, if you're going to talk it, talk it now. This is your time. You you don't know how long your time is going to be. Very true. Enjoy it. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, and it's the, it's the first time that they, they, their organization's won a championship. So they might be kind of just riding high. We'll yeah. see if Patrick's right. Like, it'll, it'll calm down once they're out of the euphoria of winning the title. Because, yeah, it, it'll look silly if it's, like, deep in the offseason. They're still talking trash, well, taking shots yeah, at the no, Lakers. Well, I don't think they'll be, be like doing interviews on, either after yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's when he's on busting the boys and all that. And they're yeah. like, he's still hey, like, man, we're just trying to get sound bites out of you now. It's not about you anymore. It's about us trying to get sound bites out of you. He may figure, and they may be like, hey, man, cool it. Yeah, like, you're right. They're, they're trying to make you look like an idiot now. That's a good point. Considering what his superstar is like, too, because the superstar is the opposite of that. Yeah. He don't you want know, no part of talking trash or any, any stuff although, like that. He, although... Joker's been partying the whole time. He was like, I'm so glad I stayed. Yes, I'm so he did. glad I'm so he did say And I'm glad they I went the to Vegas right after that. After the parade, they ended up in Vegas. There's video of them all in Vegas. That's pretty badass. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Enjoy it. Damn right. Turn up. Uh oh, so CB says LeBron responded to Malone. He, he on did it. He, he vague booked on Instagram. What'd he do? He vague books. We'll talk about it when we come back from the break. Oh, okay. The break. All right. We'll get to that on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 Horn.